Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 86 of the show. Our guest today is Ilya Bodner, and Ilya has a really interesting entrepreneurial story. Uh, he graduated from Ohio State and has been involved in the insurance business ever since, starting several different companies. And he actually immigrated here to the United States when he was 10 years old with his family from Uzbekistan. I definitely think his story has a lot to teach us, and hope you guys learn a lot and enjoy the episode. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to ask you all for a quick favor. If you haven't already, pick up your phone and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It really helps support our show, and it'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. We also want to take a moment to thank some of our supporters. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. Mike here again. Do you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus? We are looking for some new supporters to help keep the show going in 2018. To inquire about how you can help support the podcast, please send an email to mike at conqueringcolumbus.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Our guest today is Ilya Bodner, and Ilya is a graduate of Ohio State University, as well as a serial entrepreneur, having founded or been an executive at over seven startups, mostly focused in the insurance industry and uh, his most current venture is Bold Penguin, which focuses on helping businesses, agents, and carriers streamline the commercial insurance experience. And welcome to Conquering Columbus, Ilya. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been, you, you had a bit of an adventure getting here. I did. It's yeah, the couple of feet of snow didn't help. <laughs> but good, good Uber drivers around Columbus, so I'm good. So we'd like to kick it off and uh, start a little bit back, hear some of your background, maybe your childhood, talk about where you grew up and... Uh, maybe your path to Columbus, unless you were born and raised here, go from there. Sure. So I'm from a town uh, called Tashkent, which is in Uzbekistan. I'm sure you don't get that often on your show. Uh, it's part of the former USSR. Uh, I was born there. 
and uh, we immigrated to Columbus when I was 10 years old. Uh, there's a long story of how we ended up in Tashkent and why I was born there. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but uh, that could be another fun podcast of how our family got there during World War II. But yeah, I, um, I grew up there. Honestly, have a very spotty childhood memory, uh, but obviously remember much about it. Uh, fun fact, it is warmer there today than it is in Columbus. So growing up, I was always the Russian kid in my high school, and people were making jokes about, you know, oh, it's cold, you like the cold, etc. I like to remind them of days like this where it's literally a lot warmer <laughs> it is in Columbus, Ohio today. But yeah, I immigrated here when I was 10 years old uh, to the east side of Columbus, uh, and then ultimately went to Bexley High School, and then, of course, to uh, Ohio State University. What do your parents do growing up? Uh, so in Russia, my parents, um, my mom uh, worked for a little bit, but then uh, became a, a stay-at-home. Uh, she was a musician. Um, she had a high degree in uh, piano, uh, less t- teaching piano um, philosophy, I believe. Uh, and my father was in the textile business. Back then, when we immigrated here to the U.S., they both had jobs. Um, because they didn't speak any English, they got manual labor jobs, which was unfortunate, but a lot of people had to go through that. Um, and so my father ended up working for a uh, awning and a welding company uh, here in town. So he welded uh, uh, all sorts of tents and canopies. And my mom picked up uh, sewing and then all sorts of odd jobs uh, to kind of get us on our uh, on their own two feet. Any siblings or anything? Yeah, I'm actually the oldest of four. I have three younger sisters. Um, I'm 34. Uh, my other sister is her 30s, and then I have a 20-year-old sister and a 13-year-old sister. Another fun fact is I have a greater age difference between my youngest sister and I than I have with my mom. She was 18 when she had me, so my age difference with my younger sister is 21 years of age. Uh, but they uh, all have moved to uh, Florida uh, as of about uh, eight years ago. Are you pretty close with them still? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I was actually with my parents last weekend. I went down there to visit them uh, with my kids, and uh, my mom reminded me that she was younger than I am today when she immigrated to the U.S., and that just, like, sent chills down my back. I didn't think about it like this for a long time. Like, imagine going, like, imagine you moving to China uh, right now, but not just to China, like the parts that we can all kind of Google and relate to, but the 16th largest city in China. Yeah, I can't even imagine. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then, like, knowing very little about it with like 100 bucks in your pocket, that's a pretty, pretty intense feeling. It's always an extremely impressive story when you hear that, though. I mean, just the uncomfortability that it would give you, and you're not focusing on yourself at all. I mean, you're strictly just focusing on, you know, who your children and, and the people in your future and what their uh, lives are going to be like. So, puts things in perspective. Uh, we are all very fortunate to be sitting where we're sitting and doing what we're doing. We don't think about things like that on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but yeah, definitely puts puts it in perspective. Absolutely. So what do you think was the biggest adjustment for you and your family coming from Uzbekistan to the United States? Biggest adjustment, uh, without getting too political about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, my I'm from a family of highly educated people. Um, all of everyone that I know had a, a graduate degree uh, of you know my parents' age. Uh, even my cousins were all on a um, pretty pretty awesome trajectory back in Russia. Uh, so coming here and having to kind of watch them do the manual labor work and things that are 
you know, your uh, uh, low-wage jobs and your um, minimum-wage jobs. I actually remember my dad being paid five fifteen an hour. Um, it's uh, it was tough to get through that, and then you know the, the social trying to be friends with people at school and kind of knowing that that's happening in your home um, probably was the the most challenging part for me as a uh, as a young person. Um, but I also think that's what shaped um, me and my cousins and my sisters uh, into who we are today. Uh, that was definitely the the challenging part is just kind of watching that transition. Uh, the other one, you know, n- no surprise to anybody, is just the language. Like mm-hmm. just to communicate with people is uh, always uh, funny. I don't have an accent. I'm one of uh, my sister and I are actually the only two in our family that don't have an accent, which is crazy because I'm one of nine cousins. And uh, um, don't let that fool you. Like I actually have, I don't know grammar at all. <laughs> um, Join the club. Uh, <laughs> right. so. Great, great, great. Yeah, I can get away with that here. <laughs> uh, so in terms of uh, relatives, were any of them entrepreneurial similarly to you? Or? Um, so uh, kind of, uh, but we didn't know the word. Uh, so growing up, all of the male figures in my life have uh, had their own business. And they've started a business and had a number of different businesses, so they didn't call themselves entrepreneurs, small business owners. But I grew up kind of just th- thinking that you have to have your own business because that's what everyone did around me. Uh, my grandparents, back even in Russia, both from both sides, had their own business. Uh, moving here, uh, you know, not as glamorous as it is, but uh, my uh, one of my uncles has a taxi cab that he started with, and then it became multiple cabs, and then it became a big transportation business. So, like things like that, I just thought that's the norm uh, growing up. Definitely. So let's talk about from there jumping into Ohio State. Uh, number one, uh, what made you decide on Ohio State for college? And you know, number two, what was your experience like there? Sure. So I love Ohio State, uh, but unfortunately, not much thought went into it <laughs> going there. Um, so as a uh, young Russian kid, um, people that are listening to this can, from my descent, can relate to this. You don't actually move out of your parents' home when you go to college. It's a very American thing. Uh, you stay with your parents, and uh, my parents basically said, just don't leave the house. <laughs> so my options were OCU and Capital. And for some crazy reason, the uh, uh, bar to get into OCU was low enough to let me in. So I got I got in in 2001 because uh, it was school down the street. Later to find out it's, you know, it's great in X, Y, and Z. Um, my experience uh, was... Uh, pretty different than most. Um, I wish I could say I partied and had a great time, but uh, I ended up working uh, a full-time job and a half and running my own business. Um, so I didn't get to experience OCU the the way I should have, uh, but I, I made up for it afterwards. It was, it was fine. Um, it was a great experience, great school, uh, graduated, um, never went to a single Ohio State game, uh, partly because uh, my best friend that immigrated here and I uh, he and I bought a, uh, a wiener mobile, as we called it. We sold uh, uh, hot dogs and gyros and brats outside of our city club uh, for a couple of seasons, for many seasons. Uh, so we couldn't make it to the game because we're out there uh, making money off of uh, you know fans. Let's put it like that. Um, and then the other part was I just I wasn't really into football back then, but now I am, and now I'm enjoying it. So you mentioned a business that you were running. Was that the Wienermobile or was there another business? <laughs> we didn't quite call it the Wienermobile business, but <laughs> that's the day we made up later. Uh, we did get into Sports Illustrated by that. Uh, by the way, we had a sign that says, our, bitter, our euros are better than sex. That was our sign, our euros better than sex. But 
neither one of us spoke English well enough, so we misspelled then, and it was T-H-E-N, and it just caused all sorts of issues. People coming by, <laughs> they were like, did you mean? We're like, no, 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 we didn't mean anything. And uh, Anyways, um, no, that was not, that was not the... That was not the main business. Uh, we had a. Uh, we just found the title of this episode, though. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, boy, do I have a, a lot of stories about that one. Uh, definitely the best business I was ever been a part of uh, was uh, selling hot dogs, brats, and euros to uh, football fans at an insane markup. I mean, if I could just do this 365 days, that, that would be my passion. Um, but yeah, so we had that, uh, and then day to day. We had an insurance agency that we started, which is how I got into insurance. Definitely. So uh, that first insurance agency, were there anything that you, I mean, obviously you've spent a lot of time in insurance, so you must have liked something about the industry. What about the industry drew you to it? Um, I wish I could say that I thoughtfully went into insurance, and that's how everything lined up. But like many people in insurance, um, I didn't go out looking for it. It sort of found me. Um, so... The way that we really got into it was because it's the American dream, right? You've got your own business. You're making a lot of money. You look at a lot of insurance professionals. You're driving good cars, working very little, talking a lot. Uh, we thought, for sure, this is something we should do. We're going to make a lot of money. I enjoyed sales. Um, I enjoyed uh, talking to people. Uh, I wanted to own a, a big, thriving business. And just through some conversations, we concluded that insurance is a great way to get into the business world. And that's how we got into it. Uh, later to realize that it's a lot more complex uh, and I'm a lousy insurance agent and there are a lot of uh, complicated things that go into it. Um, but it was a fun, fun ride getting in. And your degree was in what? My degree was international business. Um, that was, uh, in all honesty, the lowest uh, number of credit hours that you needed to have to graduate from OSU from the path that I was on, and that's how it ended up like that. So I don't think my degree has anything to do with who I am, really. It was just a path to, to get out quickly. <laughs> you know what's odd about that is you're not the first person to say that on this podcast. Really? I'm pretty sure we've heard that at least two or three times. Great. And it seems like a common th theme between entrepreneurs, so... You want to be an entrepreneur, guys? Just take whatever takes the least amount of credit hours. So that is, like, that's not great advice. Not yeah. great advice. <laughs> don't many, 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 many years from now, if podcasts are still a thing, I hope that my kids don't listen to this because <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like encourage them right now. Great education, got to study, got to go do all the stuff because it's not a good, good advice. I think part of it too is when your entrepreneurial spirit kind of hits you because it seems like you had it at a younger age. So as you're going through and um, you have these entrepreneurial tendencies, you kind of understand that the real world and the skills you have there, what's going to help you survive isn't necessarily what you're learning out of a textbook. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just think that's what we've learned from other guests on the show is kind of that's where they, they approached their college degree. And although they, they wanted to graduate and they didn't want to fail or quit, they kind of realized that, you know, what they had was their grind and, and what they knew um, outside, of, outside of academia, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is I was sick and tired of being poor. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to show up with a hundred bucks in my pocket and knowing that it's going to stretch. I have to make that stretch a long time. And what I was learning in the books, I wasn't patient enough to see all the way through. That was the the burn, you know, the burning desire behind the scenes to keep it going. Um, yeah. Kind of missing the connection though between um, when you were doing the food truck and then <laughs> graduating college and then the insurance. So 
A food truck is connect? a totally random thing. We could, uh, we could just have <laughs> we a lot move of fun on. with it. We could move on <laughs> with that one. Yeah. All those uh, seven glorious seasons of uh, Ohio State uh, football seasons. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the chronological order of it is that uh, right around the time that we were graduating college, uh, my friend, great friend, Lev Brinsky and I, who immigrated here around the same time, decided to open up an insurance agency because we really wanted to be business owners uh, and opening up your own insurance agency is the kind of like the closest, safest thing to get into the business world. Uh, it's this quasi-franchisee, franchisor relationship uh, that we wanted to jump in. Uh, and being that we're, uh, we thought we were good in sales, we, we thought we could market uh, online pretty well, um, insurance just seemed like a natural uh, thing for us. It was either that or at the time, I think we were entertaining being uh, mortgage loan officers. And we're like, ah, we don't know a thing or two about mortgage. So essentially, if I'm understanding the insurance industry correctly, what you guys are doing is you're going to get the rights to a certain area, get an insurance license, and then right. be a broker between the products and people that you're yep. selling to. Yep, yep. And we chose Allstate for a couple of different reasons uh, to represent Allstate. Uh, but yeah, it, you basically have a radius where you can open up your agency and you have the rights to that, to that radius. and you can offer their products and have access to their uh, infrastructure and support that they would give you. And do you have to pay a franchise fee or is it just you pay as you go? Or In that particular model, uh, they pay you commission to uh, sell their products out to the general public. Uh, and then they highly subsidize you for all sorts of marketing collateral in order to kind of get their name out there. Like I remember our sign on the door was heavily subsidized by them. We had to pay a little bit. Uh, and because it gives them brand exposure. And then what'd you learn throughout that experience? Yeah, so what I learned through that experience is that, A, I'm a lousy insurance agent. Um, I'm terrible at giving advice or taking advice. Um, that was definitely a hard lesson learned. Uh, you know, at 19, you're invincible. You think you're the smartest person, and everybody else experiences sort of like, eh, you know, it's not exactly the same thing. So I learned, I, I feel like I grew up really fast through that because I talked to a lot of people and after a number of sessions, I'm like, boy, this is definitely the wrong approach towards the, the human race. Um, I also learned that uh, insurance is a much more complicated beast. Uh, it's not what going into it, the thought was, you know, you pay for insurance, you sort of never want to use it or think about it. These people are loan sharks in their own way. This is crazy, what what not. But then when you have to process that first claim and when a person calls you frantic from the side of a road because they total their car or whatnot, you realize that insurance is really that financial mechanism to help you get your life back in order or keep your life in order. Um, it it kind of hit me that it's a pretty pretty real, pretty serious thing. Again, at, at 19, you know, I was just kind of clueless in uh, of all that going into it, but realized that it's got a lot more depth. Definitely. So from there, can we talk about maybe maybe a 10,000-foot overview from starting that first agency to where you're at now with Bold Penguin and maybe talk a little bit about your experiences in between along the way, maybe any particular events or uh, particular things that you remember learning that are helping you today? Sure. So uh, having that first insurance agency, I realized what insurance was, as I've just talked about. Uh, I also had hand-to-hand -hand combat of how to properly explain insurance, or best that I could explain the insurance. And I realized it's a lot more complicated than that. So uh, fast-forwarding a little bit, my partner ended up buying me out in the insurance agency itself. 
and uh, we ended up working on a way to do website and online marketing for the insurance world. Uh, that fast forwards me to about uh, seven years ago now, where we actually started a company all around the digital marketing assets of insurance out there. Um, you know, you kind of, you can do this yourself. You kind of stumble in online, you can Google a couple of things and you get like hundreds of results and you don't know who to trust or how to trust them or what they represent. It's very confusing. We try to, to build a CMS platform to help actually manage all that content out there online. And that became a business of its own. Uh, that ended up skyrocketing. It's here in town. Uh, we ended up servicing big name companies like the ones that are here in town, which are in this Grandview Yard area as well. Uh, where we realized that insurance is actually very complicated. It's very hard to communicate it on a web browser. It's even more complicated to communicate it on a small four-inch screen that we carry in our pockets. And how do you properly get it to all the different types of the people? Uh, so that became a business of its own. And so through that experience, we realized that the problem goes even deeper, that uh, actually people of our age that are sitting in this room could care less about desktops, uh, could care less about talking to a person or, or having to have a form that helps you put a person in your house to explain to you your insurance needs. That's just weird. You just want to do it entirely through your phone, through your app. Mm -hmm. So that led us to starting an app, uh, direct-to-consumer auto insurance app uh, that's here in town as well to cater to people of you know, the, the new blood, so to speak. Uh, you, you, you have a new medium of researching your information. You have a your new way of understanding what insurance is. And once we got deeper into that problem, uh, my partner and I, uh, Ben Clark, realized that actually that's true for auto insurance, but it's not so true for all the other types of insurances. When it comes to other types of insurances, you actually do need a professional to kind of just point you in the right direction at some point, maybe not at your dining room table, maybe not over a phone call, but at some point, whether it's via email, text, or maybe a five minute phone call, I guess that could, that could be a thing too. Uh, you need somebody to um, tell you what you're doing is, is, is good or bad or helpful or not. And so we decided to build an actual solution for that trusted advisor, you know, for that counsel. Uh, and that was, that's what brings me to Bull Penguin. So along the way in the insurance, I kept on going deeper and deeper and deeper into the problem. Uh, and realize that it's a lot more complicated, that there's direct-to-consumer, there is the agent channel, there is um, uh, applications that you could build, uh, and then there's uh, ways that you can automate the process a little bit smoother. And then does that take us into Bold Penguin today? That does, yep. That takes us right into Bold Penguin. So the way to wrap up that whole um, rambling is that um, we believe that the way to simplify business insurance, the process of buying uh, well, more particular to go from quoting to actually buying the business insurance is by enabling that trusted advisor, the person that sits in the middle, the person that's giving the advice to do their job a little bit faster. Because when you're trying to insure your business, and there's there when you're trying to insure your business, there's a lot of options and a lot of ways that things can go wrong. So you're probably going to ask for advice. And when you are asking for advice, that advice, you want immediate answers. And those immediate answers take a really long time in our day and age. So the reason why Bull Penguin exists is when you go and ask for that advice, that person on the other end or that machine on the other end, we want it to respond to you very quickly. 
And so that is what Bull Penguin is when I say that we're helping commercial insurance agents going from quote to buying faster. It's when they have that inquiry from whether it's their customer or prospect or whatever consumer or the insurance agency, the turnaround time is much faster than today because this industry is bogged down with paperwork, pen, paper, faxes, all that kind of crazy stuff. So to kind of summarize in my head, um, so you, you got initially involved in more of the marketing side and then you jumped into more of direct consumer and through the mobile device. And now you're going back and you're um, doing enablement for the agent with Bold Penguin. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the part that, that is correct. Uh, the part, the little nuance that I think matters a lot is that you can't just generalize all of insurance. I started with general marketing and I went deep into the rabbit hole of what I could relate to personally, which is buying car insurance. And then I went deep into the experience of, well, wait a minute, I got to buy insurance as a business. And that's not exactly the same as I would buy insurance for my car. Yeah, so it sounds like you've just gotten deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole that is insurance. And I'm sure we haven't even scratched the surface on this right. podcast. But uh, how has Bold Penguin been received? Uh, mixed reviews, uh, honestly. I think we got a great out-of-the-gate response by signing up, signing up thousands of agents. Uh, because uh, there, there's many insurance professionals out there in this country, tens of thousands. We told them we're building a tool for them when it comes to commercial insurance. Out of the gate, we got tons of people that signed up and used our platform for both uh, uh, for both the originating the quotes and then getting the quotes through the uh, sales cycle uh, and, and trying to automate and digitize that process. And then we hit a little bit of a plateau and a lot of the uh, 2017 was really that, is there's a new term coined insuretech uh, that's going on out there, uh, kind of like writing off the fintech uh, space. And when we were uh, pinned down as an insuretech company, a lot of the insurance carriers, the, the, the ones that take on the risk, started questioning what is it that we're really doing? Are we really helping the person do their job better or are we helping the person to do the job better to replace the person? is like a very sensitive topic in insurance so they weren't quite sure how to um, how to size us up uh, and so most of 2017 we spent on making sure we're positioned uh, that our story makes sense and checks out for the insurance carriers to understand that we're here to help the human being that insurance professional agent within four walls of any company do their job more efficiently as a software solution and I apologize. Which we've successfully done, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I apologize if it takes me a little bit longer to kind of wrap my head. Insurance has always been like a very, I feel like it's overly It's like complex. a foreign language. Yeah. yeah, and it's just, it's always described to me differently in every industry and in every avenue and like every type and product that you buy. Um, so what I'd like to do, if you're okay with this, maybe get more granular into what does your sales pitch look like to these agents? And then what does a process for a typical agent look like? Um, is there a typical process from when they first interact with you till when they get the results or whatever their end goal is? Yeah, sure. So we, we, I can do that really quickly. So we have three different types of customers at Bull Penguin. We have the end insured, so the business owner, typically small business owner, 100 employees or less. We have the insurance agent, who is the producer, the, the person in the middle giving the advice. And then we have the insurance company, it's the incumbent that takes on the risk. So 
to the insurance producer is our main client. And we deal specifically in commercial insurance. So helping businesses find their own insurance, general liability, commercial auto, workers' compensation, things of that sort. That insurance professional is sitting between the insured and the insurance carrier. And they're trying to get a uh, right product in the hands of the consumer, and they're trying to reduce the amount of time it takes them to go to the insurance carrier. Think of it like a loan application. It's a lot of asking the customer and a lot of going back to the bank, right? So uh, what we are trying to do is make sure that that process of passing of the information between the insured and the insurance carrier is digitized and automated. Because today, believe it or not, a lot of it is very custom pen and paper, faxes. You got to go to this screen to log in to enter this information, wait long here, upload file there. And it gets kind of messy and it takes a lot of time. And as a result, people on both sides spend a lot of energy trying to originate an insurance policy. But you guys do believe that middle person still needs to be there then? That's right. Okay. We don't call them the middle person, of course. We do yeah. believe that there's a trusted advisor. And just more directly said, when you're making such a big decision of how to properly insure your business here, which I'm sure you guys have insured, uh, you just don't know what questions to ask. And in fact, you don't know what you really need to get covered. And even if you do, you're not sure of how to shop it. There comes a time where a professional can help you navigate that maze a little bit faster. And in the end, it doesn't really cost you that much, or if anything. So it is almost an enablement tool for that. Um, and what's the what's the the trusted advisor. trusted advisor? I want to make sure I, I use the sure. like the, the respectful terminology yeah. here instead of the middle person, which is bad. But the enablement is the digitization. I told you I make up words too. Digitization. Um, I think that's a real word. Yeah. yeah there you digitalization? go. Digitalization. I think there's an AL. Digitalization. Digitalization. Not digitization. But everybody understood what we meant. Digitization. Yeah. That's all that matters. Really, I've been digiting it. You're digitizing I've, it, like man. I've been saying that for years. No one corrected me. It's terrible. That's <laughs> <laughs> why people come here to learn. I was to learn. I yeah. was gonna be an English major. Yeah, I pivoted, yeah. but got it. I yeah. like words. <laughs> so we got digital and sensations in there. And what I'm trying to say is that, so you're 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 creating all these paper forms. You're making the process more streamlined, um, but you're keeping the trusted advisor there because obviously they need to. You believe that they add a lot of value in that process. It sounds like they do. And now you guys are finally gaining positioning in the market where people are starting to maybe, do you think when you first came in, they really just weren't able to understand, you yeah. know, what it is you guys are doing? And that yeah, they're like, here's problem. this crazy Russian guy talking about insurance. Keep Can't saying digitization. Him. Keep <laughs> saying wrong words. <laughs> yeah. 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 A lot of it was just getting our story down, uh, proving out that we're actually helping the person that's helping the people just do their job a little bit faster. Uh, just to, inside the company, the, the words that we use a lot is we kind of look at the trusted advisor as Batman and we want to be the tool, the tools in the tool belt. We want to make them a little bit faster, a little bit more efficient, a little bit smoother what he or she does. Makes a lot of sense. Um, now I'm curious, being in insurance and several other companies and now you know where you are today, how do you feel like the traction of Bold Penguin has compared to your other companies? Do you guys feel like you're onto something even bigger here or do you think that you need the market to kind of recognize you more? Yeah, I really think this is my billion dollar idea. I really feel like this is the, everything has been leading up to this, this moment in my life. Uh, part of it is I'm making it up in my head and part of it is I, I really do believe I happen to be at the right place at the right time with this. 
commercial insurance is one of those the most unsexy of already an unsexy industry it's kind of like your cable cable bill you know no one wants to call their cable company um, uh, so commercial insurance is already the unsexy of the unsexiest and we just happen to find the very problem that exists for a lot a lot a lot of people and unlike auto insurance that is super competitive and you hear uh, commercial like every 15 minutes and unlike home insurance commercial is one of those places where just a little bit of innovation feels like it can go a really long way and the numbers are so massive I think it's something like 280 billion dollars worth of commercial insurance annually that even you know I'll take a percent of that and have that flow through our platform yeah, we'll take yeah. percent too. I know, throw a percent everywhere. Right. Yeah, percent here, percent you get there. Everybody gets a good percent. I'm mad at that. Solve a little bit. But uh, what does your team look like, and what is the structure? And um, I guess, at what point did the company first kick off? So we started officially. Uh, we incorporated officially in uh, April of 2016. Uh, we kicked off. Uh, we debuted to the world um, July of 2016. Uh, we were right around eight employees at the end of 16, January of 17. So about a year ago, we were uh, 10 people or, or less. Uh, and today we're 40. Uh, we actually just processed payroll just uh, uh, on Friday. I think we're at 43 as of that day. Uh, so had some pretty crazy growth in that 12-month period, uh, partly because of that adoption I was telling you about earlier, just kind of proving out that we're here. We're a friend, not foe. Uh, our team consists of uh, uh, my partner, my technical partner, my partner, uh, Ben Clark. Uh, we brought on a, an amazing uh, uh, CFO, uh, Seth Metcalf, uh, who's also our general counsel, who happened to be the deputy state treasurer for however many years with Josh Mandel. Uh, Mark uh, D. Leonibus, who moved here from Annapolis, Maryland, uh, to be our chief operating officer. He, he used to be an insurance agent as well, so he really gets the... The space got sick and tired of the pen and paper uh, as well. Uh, we have an unbelievably brilliant development team. Uh, we have a, 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 a team within our company called the verification team. And this is very important to know. No matter how tech-enabled or tech-savvy we are as a company and how we're digitizing or whatever the word is, uh, the whole process, making it more digital, uh, at the end of the day, all we're doing is helping two human beings to connect, right? You have the business owner, and then you have the insurance professional. So the best way that we found to do that is through a phone call. At the end of the day, everybody wants just a quick one or two minute phone conversation, or it's an option, they don't want to, but it's an option to connect it to. So our verification team makes sure that there's a handoff between the actual customer that's looking for the insurance and the insurance professional. So that's a big chunk of our team today. And then you said you had a technical partner there, um, and I'm always curious, you know, when these ideas go from ide ideation to creation, uh, was he instrumental in the development of it, or did you guys raise of funding? Of okay. course, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ben and I went through this evolution together. We sort of looked at each other and said, what is that one big thing we can do? How do we put a dent in the universe? That's, those were literally the words. We want to put a dent in the universe. How do we put a dent in the universe? And through a long, drawn-out conversation, we concluded that we're going to stay in insurance because we know that uh, pretty well. Uh, we are also going to build a technology that enables the person that's in the middle of the transaction, the person that influences the person that's in the point of sale, 
and we're going to build a tool for him or her. That's our beachhead in. We're not going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars or raise just ridiculous money, try to out Geico Geico, but we're going to kind of build it from within and go where the consumer is. Uh, and we played around with a different models, number of different models. We, we played around with a couple of different models and concluded that if we can build this one place for the commercial insurance uh, professional to log in and spend their day, that's how we can uh, have a meaningful impact in this space. Absolutely. And at this point, uh, let's kind of move towards the future. Uh, what is your personal goals and what do you think your team's goals are for the next five, 10 years? It's a tough one. Um, so we talk about it, uh, this within Bull Penguin a lot. We're really building a department that should exist within an insurance company. It's kind of shocking that it doesn't today, uh, that commercial insurance isn't simpler and that there isn't a technology that helps enable it. So everything that we build is kind of through this lens of a 100-year-old company. We, we don't want to cut corners. We want to build something stable, trustworthy, reliable that could be within an insurance company our goal one day is to of course get picked up by an insurance company i think that's very very far out i'm not even going to daydream on this podcast of how far that is or how close that is but that's the the mentality that we go into it uh, my personal aspirations has always been to build something bigger than me and you'll see that through my track record of other startups that i help start and uh proudly um, have on my LinkedIn profile today, uh, and that is, it's not the Ilya Bodner company. It really is an idea that happened to have the right way to get funding, whether it's bootstrap or capital from third parties, and then the team to help execute it. And if I can help put the three together, the idea, the capital, and the team, we can really create something that's bigger than me. And that's all I'm personally trying to achieve uh, day to day. And with your track record following from that, you know, one thing I'm always curious about, someone who's been a successful serial entrepreneur, how do you go from, you know, I said ideation to creation before, but I'm more curious, I guess, from ideation to this is the person that's going to develop the product. These are the people who are going to do the UI UX. This is the source we're going to go to for funding. Because once you get that connected in the community, I mean, there's a lot of different sources you can probably turn to for funding. There's a lot of different development teams. Um, and then how do you begin to build out your MVP and kind of what does that process look like for you? It all comes down to people, man. Honestly, it's just, I don't think there, it's more of a art than a science. You got to look a guy in the eye or a woman in the eye and just say, can I trust you with it? And everything is very individual around that particular event. So can I tell you that bull penguin was exactly the idea that I had a year and a half ago? No, right? we all know that it morphs and moves and twists hundreds of different ways before 5 p.m. daily. Um, but when you meet the right person and you kind of size them up and you test them out on some small uh, conversation, small talk, and you believe in it, then you go full, you go, you go all in with that person and uh, take it one day at a time. So how do you go from ideating to kind of launching uh, one day at a time, one step at a time, one conversation at a time, uh, it's people, putting a lot of trust into the right people and being with them through thick or thin. Uh, that's, I don't think there's a formula for that. If, if there is, I don't, I don't know it. Do you think your iterations of the company and the business model come from consumer feedback or customer feedback? Like, are you going out to them and asking them, 
are we on the right track? Is this something that you want? And if it's not, then you're going back and evolving? Or? So typically I would answer that yes. However, with Bull Penguin, this happens to be one of those weird ones where I am building it for myself. Like every day I just remember the pain of selling an insurance policy, myself being in the middle there or having to call somebody or having to call a meeting up and explain and just remembering how painful that is. So we're really building a tool for me. Mark is another co-founder that's used to sell commercial insurance, understands the pain of that. So in this particular case, we really are building a tool the way we thought insurance should be. And then of course, along the way, we get tons of opinions that help shape the different features and functions of it. But the vision is very clear in my head. Uh, we've just been not so great at communicating it to the real world just yet. And uh, I think that's a good place to kind of pivot towards one of our last questions we always like to ask on the show. Uh, it centers around the theme of our podcast, which is live uncomfortably. I'm not sure if you heard the phrase before, but um, what do you think of when you hear the phrase and how does it apply to your life? Well, I'm an entrepreneur uh, that uh, in startups going out of business is cool. All of a sudden, failure is awesome. I always feel like I'm walking on the edge of the rim. No matter what I do, whether it's payroll or getting the product out right or making a customer really angry or taking back something we said on a contract uh, for the right reasons. Every day I feel like the pressure is on to make the right decision so your business doesn't collapse. And every day you have one foot at the outer edge of that rim and you're about to fall over. So... I think I've gotten comfortable with living in that, how do you call it? Uh, living uncomfortably. Living uncomfortably, uh, because that's what startup is. If you have a thriving startup that's cash rich, have all the right employees and all the right customers, I don't know who you are. <laughs> um, and so if you are like the rest of us, that's the world you live in every day. And if you learn how to embrace it, then um, that's just what typical day in Startupville is like. Ilya, that's a great answer. and uh, We really appreciate you joining us on the show today. And uh, Conquerors, thanks for listening. Hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. That's Ilya Bodner of Bold Penguin. And you can check out Bold Penguin's website and some of Ilya's information below in the show notes. Uh, again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. And before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital. Through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they've made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get, you know, my head kicked in, 
in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.